Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. I'm Charlie. Today, we are joined by Efra Dalal, Chief Marketing Officer of the Self-Help Home, located at 908 West Argyle. Near Lake Michigan, the Self-Help Home has housed Chicago's retiring Jewish seniors since 1951. The nonprofit retirement community offers a continuum of care services within a historic, multi-story building that originally housed Holocaust refugees. Close by, residents can enjoy lakeside activities, hit the putting greens, play a game of tennis, explore the gardens, or simply relax at the beach on sunny days. Hey, Efra, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Charlie. It's my pleasure to be here. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, so why don't we start with saying, one, how are you doing today? And then why don't you share a little bit with us about yourself and your background? I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at the Self-Help Home. I've been at Self-Help for 10 years now. What I do is I oversee all of the communications, all of the marketing. I work on special projects. I oversee some of the community outreach that we do here. I work with residents when they come in and their families. So lots of things here, and it's a wonderful place to work. When I first started, I didn't think I'd be here for 10 years, but I am. It's a wonderful place to be. I sort of uh, fell in love, which a lot of our staff will tell you. We have a lot of staff that have been here a very long time. And what did you do prior to coming to the self-help home? What did what led you to the organization? Well, I wanted to stay in healthcare. I was the spokesperson for the Department of Public Health at the city of Chicago. And prior to that, I did different roles at the city of Chicago in communications and public affairs. I needed to change my atmosphere, do something different. And I found the job and didn't know a lot about senior living and was interested. I interviewed several times with board members and I really got to know the home. And it turned out to be a great fit for me. I started out doing outreach here. I was visiting residents that were potential residents coming in. I was working with chambers and working with different communication tools to, you know, increase our visibility. And it became a great fit. But I did walk away from a 15-year career in government. I'm very happy to be in senior living. For anyone listening, it is a great field to be in. And it's also a growing field. So for young folks to consider roles in gerontology and social work and nursing um, and even in marketing and being an administrator, senior living is really great. And before you judge, come and take a look. <laughs> well, on that note, Efrod, I'd be curious, you know, especially because you said that things have been developing and the field is opening up for more employment and different aspects of how to work with senior living. Can you give us a little more history about the facility? Because as we mentioned in the intro, you know, it was founded in 1951 and housed Holocaust refugees, but obviously it has grown, it has developed. So if you do you want to give us a little history and tell us how it's gone in that direction? Sure. So yes, the home was founded by survivors that were looking for a place to care for their parents. It has evolved over the years. We're a nonprofit community. We have evolved into a place that is a place in the community for seniors that want to live out the rest of their lives with dignity, which is how we were founded. Some of the core components of the home were based on providing a place for people to age with dignity. And so those 
pillars uh, still stand today. But what's changed is that we are much larger in our scope and what we offer. We have independent and assisted living apartments for seniors, and we have a skilled nursing, two skilled nursing floors here. And we also have a short-term rehabilitation floor, which is open to the community. We receive people who are completing a hospital stay and need to transition to a skilled nursing facility for rehabilitation. And we have a designated floor. We work very closely with Northwestern, with Weiss Hospital, St. Joseph, all of the neighboring hospitals um, will accept uh, patients doing a short-term rehabilitation, whether it be for orthopedic issues or whatever illness they may have. And so we've become a place that is known for more than just caring for survivors. As the population of survivors is dwindling down, we had to sort of reinvent ourselves, like who are we going to serve? And so we are serving the population in the neighborhood we are a Jewish community. We do celebrate all of the Jewish holidays. The thing that stands out is our rehab floor is really just open to the community for anybody. Of course, you don't have to be Jewish to live here, but as we age, some things that become very important and stand out is our culture and how we spend our time. You know, some of our activities are geared towards Jewish living and Jewish history. Jewish celebrations. And so it's just a matter of what a person would enjoy most, you know. Yeah, we read on your website that you recently went through some renovations of the facility. When did those occur? And we want to kind of talk about COVID too, after you answer that. Sure. The renovations have been ongoing for the past, I would say about six years. We are undergoing a major renovation through all of our independent and assisted living apartments. We have 72 apartments here, and we've got almost all of them have been fully renovated with state-of-the-art kitchens and bathrooms that are senior-friendly and with lighting that is amplified and comes very important as we age to have the proper lighting and also the safety features that we're implementing in the um, bathrooms. We're doing a curbless shower in every apartment. And so those kinds of features are very up to date and you know keeping our home uh, relevant. We also just completed a major renovation in our social hall. We installed something really interesting called hearing loops, which you've probably heard of when you go to a large theater. If you have a hearing device, a hearing aid device, you can connect uh, like a Bluetooth with the microphone and or film that's being you know shown or music concerts. And so the the sound goes directly into your hearing aid like a Bluetooth device. So it's really cool and it's helpful. So as we continue, the next project that we're undergoing is our rooftop deck, which is beautiful space in our building. We have views of the lake and downtown. It's a really large space for, you know, a place like us or a place in the city. So the residents were enjoying this rooftop for, you know, 40 years already, but we needed to update this uh, rooftop leaks and things falling apart. So we're under, we're in the middle of the construction and we will finish in the summer of 2023. And we're very excited about it. As you have an old building, things start to need updates. And that's the challenge that a nonprofit organization like us faces is how do we balance our capital improvements that we need to fund and how do we continue to stay relevant and competitive 
with all of the other beautiful communities that are being built um, in the neighborhood. So we try to keep up. So, you know, uh, Laura had mentioned wanting to ask you about COVID as well, which is, of course, a big talking point we have with a lot of businesses is how they've adjusted since COVID. And of course, we're still dealing with those effects. But I'm actually I'm even more interested now because of your previous position with the government as a public health speaker and official. I imagine you have a very unique perspective on not just the pandemic as it occurred, but the way you address the pandemic as a marketer for a senior living community, too. Yeah. Well, from day one of the pandemic, we decided as a team that we were going to bring in our families and make sure that they knew what we were doing here every step of the way. It was crisis mode for maybe two years. We were, so our approach was this, let's prevent mad panic. In a crisis, people need information. When they don't get it, they go and they find it in any way they can. And so we wanted to make sure that our families knew exactly what was happening here. If we were, you know, delivering meals to rooms or we were setting up how to visit a resident and we were just all hands on deck here for uh, a long time. And overall, I think, you know, making it feel that you were here and you knew what we were doing and maybe over communicating was our strategy. And it really felt that we had the trust of the families that were here. The residents felt very safe. And so, yes, it was a huge challenge and it was really scary, but we made it work as a team. We were, everyone here was extremely professional and serious and came to work every day. There was no working remote, (laughs) not in this field. And if you had talked to anybody in senior living, they really worked hard at keeping their residents safe. So it was really our responsibility as families were not allowed in the building for many months to keep the residents safe. And so that became the focus. And in terms of, you know, communicating, we really tried hard to let families feel that they were part of this and that they knew what was happening. Every resident had an iPad. We we got iPads donated. We set up uh, Zoom on everyone's iPad. We made sure that they stayed in touch with families. We created a pod that we built inside of our building that was considered outside where the entrance to the pod was from the front door. And so technically it was an outdoor visit, but it was indoor. So we physically changed our building so that we could accommodate families. Uh, We had an online sign up for visitations. It was a different time where we have progressed from that. We are now feeling that the pandemic has passed. We still deal with COVID. Um, It hasn't left in terms of how we operate. We're wearing masks, but we're gathering. We're doing our activities. Everything is pretty much back to normal here. We'd like to have more social events and have families come. And we're just starting to do that this year. So it's, it's an exciting time for us to kind of go back to, you know, the big welcoming parties that we that we have always been hosting. And so we look forward to continuing to do that. But I think that COVID is just going to be around, just like the flu. And, you know, there's a test for it. So it makes it very distinct. Um, If a person tests positive, they need to isolate in their apartment. So it's become part of our life now. And uh, I'm happy that that time is behind us, you know, and that it definitely feels like there's more air. (laughs) 
how do you uh, address kind of end of life, the traditions kind of around death with your facility? I, you know, I, you know, with the Jewish culture, you know, it's, is a very beautiful process. How does that work at your facility when someone does meet the end of life? Well, we do work with hospice companies that assist end of life. It's very important and it is uh, a wonderful thing to have is a hospice program. Somebody comes in, it's a whole uh, network of people that are there to support you as a person at the end of life and your family. As a home, we, you know, we support the family and what the wishes are, you know, whether it be a lot of times there, they'll be up in our skilled nursing unit, they'll have hospice care, they'll have our nursing care. And, you know, it's just a, we support the family and it is a hard time and we know that. And so they, they have the comfort of knowing that they're in a safe place. And so, yeah, we, we experience that all the time. Well, you mentioned your activities. Can you tell us a little bit about those? You know, you mentioned the rooftop space as well and gardening. Is that where some of the gardening occurs? And then talk about, you know, your other art therapy programs or music therapy programs um, and how that, you know, benefits the residents. Sure. So activities here, what I would say generally is there's something for everybody. We have a music therapy program that we started last year. Uh, We had a a donor come in and it is called the Tuber uh, Friedman Music Therapy Program. And what that we have a music therapist that comes in, we do music groups, we do individual therapy with music therapy, and it's become very valuable tool here. There's many benefits to music therapy and we are seeing some really great results from it. We're also starting to offer music therapy to our short-term rehabilitation people who are here from the hospital. It's just another way to uh, rehabilitate, maybe bring joy, and it is uh, a really special program. We also have art therapy. We are partnering with the Art Institute, and we have an art therapist that is doing their program here. And so we have weekly art therapy sessions. We have group art, studio time. And we'll be working on a gallery session where residents can showcase some of their stuff. You know, it's interesting because as a person ages, you know, you think, well, you know, you sort of become less interesting in everything. But when you move into a community, what's great about many senior living communities is that there are so many new things that you can learn and you have the time and it's being offered to you. Like we have residents that have never flown a kite before. And this summer, one of the things that we did was Last summer, uh, we we went to the park and we brought kites and we had residents flying kites. I mean, it was just something you'd never expect from like a 90-year-old to be flying a kite, but it happens. <laughs> but some of the other programs here that are offered regularly are um, live music concerts. We have a, a wonderful schedule of weekly music concerts, which stems way back to the founding of this home which were German immigrants and they loved classical music and it was very important to them. And so that has been something that is at Seltalp and will stay forever, which is a live music concert. And it is wonderful musicians that perform here, all kinds of music from all over the world. And so we really love our music concerts and we open them up to the community as well. So if somebody's thinking about coming here or family members, you have family in town, Come to the concert, enjoy a Sunday. It's every Sunday afternoon at two o'clock. And so it is, I am kind of like inviting everyone. 
<laughs> Sunday at two, you can see a live music concert, get to know us. And that is one of our activities. Other things are like Jewish studies. We celebrate all of the Jewish holidays together. Next week, we have a casino day. We have a casino company coming in and we're going to play craps and roulette and all kinds of other games that you play in Vegas, but you don't have to go to Vegas. And morning exercise, you know, yoga, morning exercise, Tai Chi, those kinds of things. So it's a well-rounded kind of day. There's something for everybody. We have play readings here. We also have news and views. So some of our residents know more about what's happening in the world than me. And so, you know, keep everyone up to date. And based on, you know, there's something for everyone. What I mean when I say that is even cognitively. So, you know, we have many different levels of care here. We're what you call a continuing care community. And so, you know, someone who is in our independent or assisted living unit may enjoy a play reading. And someone who is in our skilled nursing program with dementia may better benefit from like a music therapy session. So depending on where you are cognitively and physically, we try to find activities here um, for everyone. It's interesting, you know, just you had mentioned earlier about all the 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 work and positions and things that are opening up in this industry. And I can see just with everything you're explaining and all the events you have where all of these jobs come from. I mean, you your you know, your organization dips its toes in any industry you can think of from like entertainment to medical to, you know, just, I mean, the physical therapy and everything. It sounds like you really do have, you need and have connections in every aspect of daily life. Sure. I mean, in, if you think about, you know, working in a nursing home, what do you think of? Okay. I don't want to be a personal aide or a CNA. No, there's many positions here that you could be an activity director or, you know, an administrator or someone who is a community outreach marketing so yeah we do we do work in many facets here it is i call it like a hotel you know like a boutique hotel with nursing care and a little bit of help <laughs> it's a kind of nice way to describe us and you mentioned you know a very important you know message which was that aging with dignity and i'm curious to know you know, it can mean different things to different people, but what does it mean to you? And what does it mean to overall to the staff at Self Help Home? Sure. I mean, there is a requirement in our social needs generally for respect. And as we age, you know, there's things that we need help with. Maybe somebody moved in and they were totally independent, but a couple of years down the road, they need help getting dressed. They need help tying their shoes. They need help in the shower. And so to be gentle with people and to move at their pace and give people what they need, it doesn't look the same for everybody. And it's hard when you're older and or any age. If you need help, think about if you ever in, were injured and you couldn't put on your socks, you had to ask someone for help. I mean, just having the respect that you deserve and need is so important as we age, you know, not to feel that you're a burden. Not to feel that you're, um, you should be able to do it on your own, you know, that you, you have to do things on your own and maybe, you know, get hurt along the way. Um, and so it really means, you know, to age with grace, be in a place that's ready for you to age, we're ready to help you, whatever it is you need. And so that's really what that means. You know, actually, I'd love to bounce off that because there's a question I had, I would say is actually, it's a little more personal of a question, but something I'm curious about. So 
you know, my grandmother just turned 100 and she is living in an independent Jewish community now. And she's she loves it. She has a blast. She still does her her swim exercises and gets her movies and everything. But she and I have had some very interesting conversations because as a Jew, you know, I was raised to understand the importance of community and Jewish preservation. But over the years, one of the things I've come to realize, and I'm lucky that I'm able to have these conversations with her, is how practices of Judaism and culture have changed throughout the generations. And even just in the years since, you know, from my grandma's generation to now, everyone has their own ways of practicing their own understanding of either the culture or religion because they can be very separate. And I guess one of the things I'm curious about is I'm sure you have residents that come in that all practice very differently or have different beliefs in, um, in sort of how they see the Jewish culture versus the Jewish religion. And I'm wondering, are there challenges in balancing the different ideas and the different cultures and practices that people have individually? Because obviously you want it to be a comfortable space for everyone to express themselves and, and their Judaism in their way. Sure. You know, I think we create a place for tradition, which is really the crux of Judaism is engaging in those traditions, whether that be lighting Hanukkah candles or singing songs or Shabbat services. There's some really core things that take place. Now, in terms of how they take place, you know, is a matter of how religious a person is. I think what we attract here is someone who is very interested in the traditions. You know, there's other homes that offer like maybe morning services every morning or some some more tr- more observant homes. Self-help is is the kosher facility. We don't have a mashkiach, which is like an oversight in our kitchen, but all of our food is kosher and we don't mix milk and meat. So we offer a kosher atmosphere and we're very interested in celebrating all of the holidays, you know, in a very cultural way. We do open up for discussion. We have a Jewish studies group, and that's where opinions are spoken and discussion is really had. I mean, there's residents that you know are Jewish, but they don't they're not practicing and they don't want to. They may have a new love for the religion as they come here because maybe there's something new that they're seeing or new that they enjoy. We have a resident who moved in and he was never very observant and he started attending Shabbat services and he really, really became interested in the Shabbat, in the prayers, in the singing, and he felt a spiritual connection with the melodies and he really enjoyed it. And this was a new thing for him. We always teased him and said he was going to have a bar mitzvah soon. And so it, it's like you can create interest as you know an older adult if you never had that. Or you just keep up with your tradition and it feels very much like you're at home and it feels familiar and it's very important to continue to have those traditions, singing the songs and hearing the melodies. You know, when you have dementia, you get everything, you know, from your day to day. But what resonates are the melodies and the songs from your childhood. And it's amazing to watch people sing all the words to a song you know, on Hanukkah or on Shabbat. And, you know, it's beautiful. It's a really beautiful thing to offer traditions to older adults. The communities there. I know that's a very, very important thing for my grandmother's, you know, especially with this milestone she just reached is she, you know, her her family's very far away, but she has her community, her Jewish community and her culture there to celebrate with. I know even in her 
her worst times, she has the prayers and the songs, but she's she knows she has the community of people to help her out of it. Yeah, thank you for saying that, uh, Charlie, because community is so important, and that's what our community is is a community. It's friendship, it's trust, and um, you know we have all kinds of friendships that are developing here, and you really feel at home, you know, after a while. And and it's not just at self help. I know that there's other communities um, in the neighborhood and 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 all over that provide this atmosphere. And I'm just saying that assisted living and independent living is a really great option to uh, find a new home. Yeah. And that leads, you know, to, you know, I'm always curious to know a little bit about process. And so I can imagine as, you know, you start to age and you start to realize you maybe need a little bit more help and those families have to make decisions on what to do. Can you walk us through the process of kind of moving from, you know, a completely independent home into into a facility and and the process is probably different for everyone right but you know are there kind of stages of that so people can can really kind of um embrace embrace the change and move sure so ideally you know if you're thinking about moving you'd want to gather up your children possibly to help and that is what happens usually somebody will reach out to us looking for a place for their mother or their father and you establish a tour, you establish, you know, whether or not it's something that is in your budget. And it's a long process. It's usually, it, it could be several months until you make a decision, unless you're in a crisis, which is a different path that we've seen as well. But yeah, it's really challenging to make that transition, moving from a large house, downsizing to a one bedroom apartment. Some people engage with a uh, move manager or an organizer to help downsize and make that transition. There's people in the field that um, their whole job is to help seniors move and downsize and they manage, they manage packing, unpacking, and they manage everything from step one to the first night that you stay here. And so there's a lot involved. It could feel very stressful, especially to families, which I'm sure is a reason why it's avoided until there's an event, which is unfortunate. But that is a lot of times what we see is that there's the thought of moving. Oh, you know, I think she'd do better in a place, in a community. She needs a little help. But then something happens and you end up in the hospital, you do some rehab, and then when it's time to go home, the consideration and conversation is more real you know, now what conversation. So uh, independent living or assisted living appropriate now. And so, you know, the industry has changed. What we're seeing is that people are moving in later and later in life, waiting until they are, you know, the, the days of just pure independent living are, you know, not the norm. I think in amongst all senior living communities, you're seeing like, Assisted living has become the acuity level has increased significantly from what it was maybe 15 years ago. And so we're offering a lot of services here um, in assisted living more than, you know, what what it was in the past. But I think the, the process does look different for everyone. Like you said, you know, ideally you want to come, you want to take a tour, meet the staff, come and see the, um, the hall, maybe attend a concert or have a meal and really use your instincts you know how do you feel about the staff you're interacting with and what does that look like so you know choosing an apartment what's the right size and what's the right budget for you once you move into the self-help home there the, the nice thing is is that as your care needs change 
you don't need to leave the community and go to another community, which some communities are set up where they only offer independent living or they only offer um, independent and assisted living. And if you need skilled care, which is the highest level of care, um, you need to move to another community. And that's very stressful to have two different moves. So continuing care, the continuum of care is very important wherever, uh, you know, the place a person chooses. It definitely eases the stress and makes the transition of needing more care um, a lot smoother. You mentioned, you know, obviously we've commented a couple times on the jobs that have become available. And I know one thing that occurs to me is, especially after COVID, a big part of me and my generation are finding new opportunities to work. For me, it has become less about what I'm doing and more about who I'm doing it with and where I'm doing it. Like I, I want my values and my morals to match up with the work that I want to do. So I guess my question is, are there good ways for people that may be interested either in seeing what jobs are available in, at self-help home or in the industry or that just want to volunteer? What's the best way for them to reach out? What's the best, you know, where do you find you need the most help or, you know, what are good resources for them to get started in this and in looking into and investigating work with senior living? Sure. Well, there's positions that are open. If it's in healthcare, it could be a nurse or a CNA, things that require a certification. We have many volunteers that come and we're always welcoming volunteers. It is an opportunity to learn about the industry or see what it's like to be here. We have volunteers that come and talk to residents. They become friends with the residents and they do like a weekly visit or they'll come to one of our events and help at events. You know, any position from the front desk to an admin, there are non-healthcare type roles here. I'm happy as, you know, just a person who works here as a, a person to talk to. You know, I'll offer that. And I think it's a great field to be in. It's been great talking to you and, you know, we're going to start to wrap up. But the last thing I wanted to ask you about was you had mentioned some intergenerational activities that you have, uh, and I'm curious to hear more about those. Yes, thank you for asking about that. We have an intergenerational, many intergenerational uh, programs here, uh, some small babies that come with a program called J-Baby and do games and songs with residents. Um, it's an opportunity for residents to maybe hold a baby or just engage with a baby. And then we have a teen program for kids that are going through a bar bat mitzvah. They want to do their mitzvah project, um, and it's called Mitzvah Menches. And we have lots of menches that come to the home, and they bring their own interests. Um, some are baking, some are doing a performance, some are just connecting with residents. Uh, we had a girl come and do knitting a couple times a week with a group. And what this does is it creates a opportunity for these young people to not feel afraid of older adults. And that's really important. You know, not only does it do that, that's the big picture, but residents really enjoy having young people around. It feels good. And for their child, um, the teenager, it's 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 really a fun and fulfilling experience for them. And so we, we love this program. It's been going really well. We actually um, also got two awards for this program last year, uh, Community Impact Awards. Um, and so we encourage you know kids that are bar bar mitzvah age, if you're not having a bar bar mitzvah and you just want to come and volunteer as well, we take anybody as long as you're passionate and 
you know, you want to be here, we'll find a way for you to be here. But yeah, thanks for asking about that. Well, you know, it sounds like a great activity for parents to do with their kids, too. I remember when I was going through bar mitzvah, one of the things my synagogue in, uh, encouraged we do is go to um, Jewish retirement committees and and just ask for stories, you know, because I know that the residents probably have hundreds and hundreds yeah. of great yeah, stories. We had a, um, a mitzvah mesh that came and interviewed residents and then wrote about that. That was really interesting. That's something I know my parents would say, we're going to do this. This is a good thing to do. You're going to enjoy it. And you're going to hear so many great tales, so many great stories. Well, thank you so much, Ephra, for joining us on the Always Andersonville podcast. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Before we go, do you have any upcoming news? I know you talked about the event earlier, but upcoming news or anything our listeners should know about? Well, you can stay tuned for our rooftop opening and check out our website and definitely join our Facebook page. We post a lot of activities and things when we're open to the public. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook and you'll see everything there. Thank you. No, I know when people think about, you know, facilities, assisted living, it's it's more for long term care. But do you have short term stays uh, for folks? We do have a respite program. It is a program that allows a person to stay in a fully furnished apartment or in our skilled nursing unit. They can stay up to 60 days and it's served uh, as a great uh, tool for someone who is either finished with their short-term rehab and not quite ready to go home, not sure they want to make the commitment to move into an assisted living community, but they really need the help. So we've had many people who have finished their rehab and stayed in one of our uh, fully furnished apartments. They're getting a little bit of assistance. At the same time, they're starting to see what it would feel like to be in a community. I would say about a quarter of them end up moving in as residents. They feel very comfortable. They like it. It's like a test run, you know. And so you can either look at it that way or we have residents that have uh, come in because their caregiver is going out of town or their family is going out of town and they need a safe place to be for a a short period of time. Um, We've had people who have come here and then got home and then returned because another, you know, situation came up. So they look at us like a a hotel where they can come and go, uh, but not make that full commitment until, you know, the time is really right. So it's a, it's a great option. It's something to consider. And it could be at any level of care. It could be in uh, independent or assisted living. It could be in skilled nursing as well if you need a higher level of care. Um, so it's a great, great opportunity to be here. That's incredible. I love that. I know uh, for a lot of people, I know the big issue had been for them finding an assisted living or retirement community was that you have to go in, all in or not. And and it can, yeah. it can be, you know, yeah, started, an unfortunate circumstance. Yeah, during COVID, we started it and we we always were doing it, but we formalized it and gave it a name and put it on the website and pricing around it. And so it really has been successful and it's um, a really like no pressure way to have somebody try us out. Well, thank you, Efrat, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about the self-help home, please visit selfhelphome.com dot org.